Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus both possess the qualities we're looking for in our team. Tough, gritty, smart, opportunistic winners. It was an easy decision for me. What am I about and what's my philosophy? We're going to build through the draft. We're going to acquire young, fast, and physical football players. And the last thing, the most important piece, is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Now, here's Kevin Powell. This is episode 44 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Kevin Powell, joined by Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun-Times. On this episode, we break down the matchup between the Bears and the Houston Texans. Houston 0-1-1 so far. They tied with the Colts in Week 1. They've blown two fourth-quarter leads. They've given up a total of 27 points in the fourth quarter. They blew a fourth-quarter lead to the Broncos last week. Uh, for their first loss of the season, Bears, of course, one and one. Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun Times joined me. We talk about the comments that Justin Fields kind of had to clear up. Uh, he initially made it after the Green Bay loss, and then on Wednesday, when he spoke with reporters, brought it up himself. wasn't even asked about it. Had to do with you know fan the players being more upset than the fans that the Bears lost to the Packers again, and of course it was taken out of context on social media. So Patrick and I talk about that a little bit. Um, I get Patrick's thoughts on players that have stood out through Week Two, um, good or bad, and then of course we just break down the matchup. Lovey Smith returns to Soldier Field. He's he's faced the Bears twice before as a head coach, uh, both with the Buccaneers, both losses for Lovey. The Bears beat uh, Lovey and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the last two times they played. So Lovey's back in town with the Houston Texans. And I broke it all down with Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times. Now joining me on the WGN Radio Football Podcast is Patrick Finley, covers the Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times, one of the great Bears beat reporters in town. Patrick, uh, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Really appreciate it. I hate to even dwell on this topic because it's just so ridiculous, but I do want to hear your thoughts on it before we move on to Bears-Texans. Justin Fields Wednesday wasn't even asked about it, but pivoted from a, an initial question from a reporter and wanted to address his post-game comments Sunday night about fans and how it's more painful for the players and this and that. I thought it was smart for him to at least address it. It's also kind of ridiculous. There was nothing wrong with what he said, in my opinion. Um, but what did you what did you think of that whole situation of what Fields said? I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. No, I think it brought more attention to it, believe it or not. You know, Fields was worked up because a prominent uh, social media sports company uh, <laughs> took his response without the question attached to it, which I think is a very important detail. Uh, in, in which he said, you know, that the fans didn't work. He wasn't worried about the fans. He was worried about the about the guys in the locker room. To me, that's not a giant deal. Uh, and, you know, the fact that he decided to bring it up is a little bit. It shows that he hears what's going on outside of Hallis Hall, and I think that that is notable. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, taking it on and just kind of moving it on from it, it was just, you know, social media, it's it's awful, it's brutal. I even asked Cole Komet Wednesday about it, and he was like, what are you talking about? So I think it's one of those, you know, whether he was telling the truth there or not, I think it's, um, you know, just one of those things that catches fire on social media and people run with it. Um, well, in the, in, in the con- I mean, the question was, Justin, do you feel worse about this loss because the, because Bears fans want to beat the Packers? Like, like it's not. And I think you need to consider that when you consider his answer because the answer 
left alone, the answer looks like he's invoking the fans by his own accord, and he certainly wasn't doing that. I uh, I agree 100% with you. Let's talk a little bit more about Justin Fields, though. It's only been two weeks, hasn't been pretty. We know all the numbers, just the 11 pass attempts, as Luke Getze pointed out. It was actually more of a about 50-50% when it came to the play calling, but Fields did just have those 11 passes. Uh, it's been two games. Uh, we always have a lot of time in between games, typically six days or so. Um, so, you know, certain narratives can can get pushed a little bit. But what has been your evaluation of field so far? Um, very small sample size. I think it's pretty clear that uh, as all of us knew going into this season, after an off season where Ryan Poles really didn't add much to this offense at all, um, that 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 could be a problem, and it's clear that teams are targeting Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Uh, Mooney has two catches, Komet without a catch, and if those are your two top targets for Fields, every defensive coordinator knows that. So I guess your perspective on Fields so far in the offense through two games. I knew going into the season, or, or rather I suspected going into the season, that the Bears were going to run the football a lot. I think when you look at what the Packers did last year and how the Packers try to go about things this year, I think Luke Getze's idea of an offense looks pretty similar with two running backs who are getting the football a lot. And then, you know, you go play action and you utilize what's good about Justin Fields, which is his ability to roll out, his ability to throw deep. You know, you mix in a couple of screens every now and again, and you've got yourself a run-based offense, which is, I think, growing more and more unique in the NFL but fits the personnel that the Bears have. Uh, you can't do that when you're down 17 points or when you're down 14 points to the Packers. The Bears somehow did uh, when they marched 89 yards and got stopped at the one-yard line in the fourth quarter. They ran the ball. Uh, every yard they had was off of a run. And I don't think you can live like that because I think the opposing sideline is thrilled to watch the clock run. What does Fields look like to me? I don't think he's looked great. I, I think that the athleticism that he has and his ability to make splash plays is very, very, very special and something that very few people on the planet have. Now, what I want to see is him take a three-step drop and throw a slant or a five-step drop and make the easy read. Uh, it's, it's kind of the simple stuff is what needs improvement. Uh, the special stuff is special. And because of that, in, in a weird sense, he's got the hard part down and the easier part, or at least the more teachable part, uh, he needs to develop uh, over the next couple of weeks and months here. You're right. The Bears didn't add enough weapons for him. We knew that coming into the season. I'm not sure that this is a result of opposing defenses trying to take out Mooney or Komet as much as it is the Bears not having a functioning offense to get them involved. Yeah, it's... um. That's a good point too. I mean, it's we as we all know the offense. There's many layers to it, but to your point, we we really haven't seen through two games a crisp three step drop or a five step drop. Find your read, get rid of the ball, right? And if there's a knock, I think that some maybe say against Justin Fields is maybe he hangs onto the ball a little too much or tries to make plays um, without without getting the ball out quickly. So um, want to see progress there. This Houston Texans uh, team comes to town. They're all one and one. They've given up a total of 27 fourth-quarter points, um, had a tie in the first week. They blew a lead against the Broncos last week. As, as it's been pointed out this week, Lovey Smith returning to Soldier Field. Very similar defenses here, very similar philosophies from the head coaches, fundamentals, takeaways, things like that. I'm picking the Bears to win, but what, what are you expecting to see from the Houston Texans on Sunday? I'm expecting to see a team that's a little better than we think. Uh, when you look at their DVOA, which is the Football Outsiders 
a way of grading teams. The Bears rank or the Texans rank above the Bears in overall score, offensive score, and defensive score. I, I think that because of who the franchise is, we're just used to them being a perennial doormat. And, and they're not very good this year, but I, I think that they're a little better than people think. Justin Fields being able to go up against the defense that he's watched all training camp and practiced against the last six weeks, seven weeks, I think that that will be beneficial to him. Uh, there's nobody on the Texans defense that scares me necessarily, but they play a solid style of defense. And, you know, Bears fans, you know, have been around long enough, you know, know that Lovey Smith does a really good job of containing quarterbacks and of getting quarterbacks to do what they don't want to do. Um, that said, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Fields has more passing yards in the first quarter than he did uh, in the entire game last week, just because uh, I think there's going to be a regression to the mean here a little bit. What's, what's interesting about Fields is, you know, he has been sacked on the highest percentage of snaps of any quarterback in the NFL this year. But he has also had the longest amount of time to throw <laughs> in the NFL this year. And, and I, I think the difference, and uh, I haven't run the numbers, but the eyeball test tells me that that's because his ability to scramble away and to create his own time uh, is really important. And, and I want to see him do that again. But more than anything, I want to see him, you know, you know I want to see the Bears scheme receivers open. I want to see him make the easy read, get the ball out. And, and for there to be, you know, you know, first and 10, you know, a six-yard gain on first and 10 would be uh, an upgrade right now. It would be different than what, we're, than what they're doing. And, you know, you mentioned Fields holding on to the ball a little too long. You know, to me, the play Sunday night when, when he threw the ball, you know, three yards past the line of scrimmage, I think that embodies kind of where his headspace was at the time. He needs to stop playing his feet and throw the football. And he needs to do that when he sees people downfield because that's going to be the best chance of gaining chunk yards uh, is him keeping his eyes downfield while he's scrambling. In terms of the injury report, I think we all really want to see what Valus Jones can do in this offense. Another explosive player obviously wouldn't hurt. Um, do you chances he plays Sunday? What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, based on on his return on Thursday, you'd think so. But we have seen this before with Jones specifically, where he's returned and then uh, had a setback or, or missed the next day's worth of practice. So we'll see. I, I don't think he's going to be anybody you need to grab on your fantasy team right away. I think he's somebody who will be a gadget player for them early on. And if they have some success, I think we'll see him a little bit more. But you're right. You know, <laughs> look around the receiver room and, you know, a little bit of Alice Jones could go a long way uh, considering the other guys that got there. What have you thought of Roquan Smith through two games? Roquan Smith, when he's good, is somebody that you feel when you watch the game. It's, it, I, I wish I had a smarter way to phrase that, but you feel it. And I haven't felt it the last two games. You know, and maybe some of that is circumstantial. You, know, you play the first game in a monsoon, and you know, it's a little different of a deal. You know, and then you play the second game against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you know, but there were a couple of Packers runs, uh, you know, particularly – uh, two of the touchdown runs, I think one was technically a shovel pass and the other was a handoff, where Roquan Smith, when he's going good, blows up those plays. And Roquan Smith, when he's going good, uh, crashes a little harder than he did uh, and with a little more authority than he did. Uh, Matt Eberflus pointed that out the other day, that they want all linebackers to, um, uh, to go downhill faster and with more conviction, and that certainly applies to him. Uh, you know, I don't know whether we can draw a straight line between 
him missing camp and him not playing in the preseason games and him getting off to a slow start here. But I think he's been unremarkable, and I think he is generally a remarkable player. So uh, there's, you know, something needs to change there. No, I think that's a great way of putting it because I feel the exact same way. It hasn't exactly stood out through the first two games, and we'll see long season, all of that. Um, obviously, we know with the Bears, a very young team, rookies, second-year guys contributing. Has anyone stood out in a good way to you uh, so far, whether it's Tevin Jenkins? I know there was some talk about Kyler Gordon, who maybe was targeted a little bit Sunday night at, at Green Bay, but uh, among some of the younger players, um, anybody standing out in a good way or a bad way to you? I think Jaquan Brisker is <laughs> looks like an established NFL player already. You know, he's he's only played two games, but we've seen him. Um, you know, we've seen him been, be solid. You know, across the board, and then with those flashes and helping with takeaways, Brisker's been good. I would buy stock in in Kyler Gordon. You know, Aaron Rodgers kicking somebody's butt does not make Kyler Gordon unique in any in any regard. Aaron Rodgers has done this to uh, you know to worse players than him. Before he's somebody that the Bears have trusted and believed in uh, since you know the day he got here. You know them putting him in the slot in in nickel coverage and outside in base coverage. That's not something you do unless you're really confident in the uh, physical abilities of a player, but also the mental abilities of, of a young player uh, to be able to to pull off the switch. Uh, one of the things about Matt Eberflus's defense that makes it unique is they consider the nickel corner to be like the third most important position on the defense. You know, it's the three-technique defensive tackle, who's Justin Jones. Uh, it's the weak-side linebacker, who is Roquan Smith. And it's, and it's Kyler Gordon, uh, who is the nickel corner. Uh, so uh, they have put him in a very prominent position, and I think they expect him to be able to handle it. One bad night against Aaron Rodgers doesn't change my opinion of that at all. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, I, I think, has looked good. I, I think he's looked a little bit better than Lucas Patrick to my untrained eye. And what I'll be watching for on Sunday is I believe Lucas Patrick is going to be your starting center on Sunday. He's been snapping uh, the last two uh, practices after, you know, getting that cast off of his wrist. And if that's the case, I think Tevin's going to play the full freight at, at right guard. I don't think the Bears will kick Sam Mustafer over. Uh, I think Tevin Jenkins has uh, looked good in his, in you know, he's had half the snaps at right guard. I think he's looked good, and I'm eager to see him with uh, 100% of, of the snaps on Sunday. Yeah, and that was my next question to you, Patrick, was how that offensive line um, gets sorted out. And with Patrick back snapping, um, I, I think Jenkins, Jenkins at this point has done enough to kind of win that right guard spot permanently. Um, I guess final prediction from you, Patrick, Sunday. Do you think the Bears win this one? <laughs> I don't, actually. Uh, I, I've got the Texans at 21-20. And part of that is just, like I was saying before, I think the Texans are just a little better than we think they are. Uh, you know, this is a game the Bears can win for sure. I don't think the Bears are at a point where, the, you know, where there's any game that they should win. I, I don't think there are going to be any walkovers this season, even the Houston Texans. And, you know, when the Bears won in week one, I, I think it may have thrown us all a little bit, you know, off the scent. You know, going in, I, I had them as a 6-11 and 11 team. You know, this is a year of transition, a year in which they're trying to figure out which young players are going to still be around on their next good team, which is probably going to be 2023 or 2024. Uh, measuring them by wins and losses uh, isn't something that I think we should uh, be too worked up about this season because I don't think they're going to be very good. 
But then when they won that first game, we're sitting there going, oh, my God. <laughs> no. Oh, my God, did they have a chance against the Packers? Right. Uh, I didn't think they had a chance against the Packers. Uh, I have them losing 21-20 to the Texans. I wouldn't be shocked if they won the game. But, you know, that is just me trying to, I, I think, be really clear about the fact that I don't think the Bears are in a position where anybody should show up at Soldier Field thinking that they are for sure going to win any game. Um, they're just not at that point in their construction right now. It's the beauty of the NFL, right? One game each week is so big for just about every team, and then we've got the whole week in between to talk about it and dissect it. And I'm sure heading into that Packers game somewhere, like, eh, maybe they could pull it off. Um, back to reality, though, after that loss. Uh, he's Patrick Finley. does a great job covering the Chicago Bears for the Chicago Sun-Times. Follow him on Twitter, at Patrick Finley. Patrick, I'll let you go. I know you need to uh, get into Hallis Hall final day uh, up there before um, – before game day. So I appreciate your time, Patrick. Hey, anytime. Thank you. All right, that was episode 44 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Big thanks to Patrick Finley for joining me on this episode. Thank you for listening. I think the Bears win Sunday. I think they find a way to beat the Houston Texans. Might be a close one, though. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you again for listening. This is the WGN Radio Football Podcast.